And I want to give a big thank you to my wife who invited my family to come today. Some drove quite a ways, so thank you, Jamie. It's, it was a big surprise. I had no idea. Although I have been sort of tiptoeing around lately, you know, <laughs> when you turn 50. Um, it's a big deal. So uh, I want to know, I have a question for you. Are you comfortable? Are you comfortable? Some of you, maybe you've come to church, this church, for the very first time. And our leaders, we, we always talk about when you come here, we want you to feel comfortable. We want to know that you were greeted at the door uh, with a smile. We, we want to know that probably more than one person greeted you, tried to hug you. Sometimes that makes people uncomfortable, but we have huggers in this church, and it happens. Um, but we want you to, to find a comfortable seat. We want you to find the treats and the bathrooms and the free coffee cups and the free Bibles. We want you to be able to find all that. We want you to be comfortable, and hopefully the experience will bring you back and draw you in, not just to belong to this church, but to belong to Christ's family, the family of God. That's really the most important. And so we want you to be comfortable. I hope you're comfortable. I know the opposite of comfortable is uncomfortable, and nobody likes that at all. You might have a nagging ache, a pain of some sort right now that's making you uncomfortable. You might kind of be in uh, some trouble in your relationship with someone. That may make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. You might be broke. <laughs> That's uncomfortable. <laughs> Every day, though, we have these new circumstances in life that either make us comfortable or make us uncomfortable. Today I'm 50, and yes, you can clap for that. And when I realized that my birthday was going to fall on a Sunday, you know, the thoughts come to mind, should I, you know, get a guest preacher and just take the Sunday off, you know. But the, truly, this is my favorite thing to do. I love to preach God's Word. I love to teach God's Word. And so, no, I'm not taking my birthday off. This is what I like. This is what I want to do on my birthday. And so, but I really wanted to be comfortable on my birthday. I wanted to be surrounded by my family and surrounded by my friends. And I absolutely love it when we have... Uh, a Sunday where we have food after and people stick around and eat and laugh and and just and I just like that is my joy like if you know in the summer my wife's a teacher and when our when our kids when the summer hits and then I have the pool ready for them and they're out there enjoying themselves like that's my happy place like I want so please stay today go get some food hang out there's, you saw there's a bounce house out there. Okay, there's no age limit on that, folks, all right? Just don't knock over the little ones, okay? And, and have fun. That, that, will, that will be my birthday present. I, I will be, enjoy that. Um, I don't feel old today. I'm thankful that God has, has given me good health up until this point, and I work out, I stay in shape, I eat well. So I'm pretty comfortable with my age of, of being 50. Uh, of course, tomorrow, you know, just like that, you know. Um, it could be a different story. Life changes quick. But um, one of the things that I've noticed about life is that when you get that curveball, that wicked curveball, and, and something happens and life feels out of control, sometimes you, you know, I feel like I, I can't sleep real well, I'm not getting a lot of sleep, or, or I'm just really uncomfortable. I have learned to do something. I have learned something that 
just really helps me the most. Would you like to know what that one thing that I do is? I read God's word. I read God's word. Because there is great comfort in God's word. That's the title of this message that I gave, The Comfort of God's Word. I find tremendous comfort when I read God's Word because I'm not just reading a book. I'm reading, I'm hearing, I'm listening to God's voice. You see, it's an amazing thing. It's really supernatural because the Holy Spirit that lives in me, that lives in a believer, is the same Holy Spirit that lived in the person, the people that wrote the Bible because God spoke to them. God moved the men who moved the pen. And so God speaks when I read the Bible, when you read the Bible. And it brings great comfort to me when life is spinning out of control or just feels, you know, like, like crazy. I get the great comfort from the Word of God. Is there anybody else that does that as well? Yes. And so it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter what you're going through in life, God's Word can comfort you, and I have now five decades of wisdom that I can pass on. Uh, I want to share some of that wisdom today. Um, normally, I preach through a book in the Bible. We've been in Exodus. I go through a Bible, uh, through a book, verse by verse, but when it's your birthday, you get to do what you want, so today... <laughs> I'm going to do what I want, and I'm going to just kind of preach on some verses that I feel like provide great comfort based on a person's age. And I, if you're older than 50, I can't help you today. No, I can help you. But when you're under that, I can speak to that. And uh, this message that I have today is a little bit about my story and and some of the things that I've gone through, and I think that you're going to find comfort in it. I want to start with the first decade of my life when I was 10 years old, and I brought pictures today. So let's see the first picture of me at 10. Yes, that is Pastor Matt at 10 years old. If you look close, you'll notice I'm a little pudgy there. What can I say? My mom's a great cook. And I had seconds a lot. So that's me. Um, but I, I take it to, to the kind of time uh, to, that brought me to this point that, that's, that changed my life forever. When I was two, my parents were divorced. They got remarried. They both had two kids. It's a blessing that they're all in the house today. That's really truly, uh, uh, in, they're here today. So thank you, parents, for being here today. Um, so, so I grew up in a, in a blended family. Technically, I'm an only child uh, of my parents, um, but I did grow up with my siblings. And because of circumstances with my stepdad's work as a construction worker, I lived all over the state of Michigan growing up. And uh, unfortunately, that was far away from my dad and, 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 that, and that side of my family. And so I was a bit confused growing up. And I'll be honest, as I look back, I was a little angry as an elementary, as a 10-year-old, because of my circumstance. It was out of my control. It was not something that I could be in control of. But here's the thing. I lived far away from my real father, and then I had a stepdad that 
Well, let's be honest, you probably, when you first have a stepdad or a stepmom, you may or may not like them, but I didn't like him very much, and I was being forced to call him dad, and I didn't like that, and that made me pretty angry, and I rebelled, and I got into trouble. I mean, that was a big part of my elementary years. A while back, I read a book called Fathered by God. I recommend it to uh, all dads. Uh, Fathered by God is a book about the stages of manhood. As you go through these stages, um, starts in boyhood, and, and really as a boy, um, John Eldridge wrote the book, said that you want to be the beloved son. As a boy, you want to be the beloved son. You want to know that your father loves you unconditionally every single day. Every single day. That's the ideal scenario. And I didn't experience that. And it wasn't anyone's, it wasn't someone's fault. I don't blame my parents at all. But that was my circumstance. That was what I was going through. And there was a point in my life where I was really angry, and I remember it distinctly. And I did something that I'm sure hurt my parents a lot. I asked to change my living situation. I was living with my mom, and I asked to go live with my dad. And I'm sure that broke my mom's heart, and I'm sure it broke my dad's heart to say, no, you need to stay with your mom. But that was where I was at, and I was hurt. I just wanted my mom, my dad, to be together, because that's what a 10-year-old boy wants. And it was painful, and I wanted comfort. But it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. And like I said, I don't blame my parents, because they would never intentionally hurt me. They loved me unconditionally. Individually, they did that. So here's what I know. As a 10-year-old struggling to, to deal with what I was going through, and if I knew someone that was also struggling with this, a, a young child, a 10-year-old, or anyone in their elementary years, trying to deal with a broken family or a blended family, here's what I think God's Word can do, how it can comfort. Jesus gave a, a pretty impressive sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And I'm going to read to you a couple of the verses. Jesus was talking about his father. It says in verse 25, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you're going to put on, what clothes you're going to wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than them? Then he went on to say in verse, verses 9 through 11 in chapter 7, Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? And you can't read that and not see that your Father in heaven loves you, he values you, and he has only good things for you. So no matter what happens to you and your family, you have a Father in heaven who will never let you down. And he will love you unconditionally 
every single day. And we all need to be reminded of that truth, don't we? That's the comfort of God's word. I find great comfort in that, and I hope you do too. Shall we move on to 20? I have a pick for that. That's actually 18. That's my graduation picture right there. I know, look at all that hair. <laughs> a couple years later, there I am, playing basketball at Michigan Tech, and I got a visit from my cousin, my best friend growing up. Here he is today, too. What a surprise. I told him, you're going to be on, on, the, uh, on the screen. So thank you, hotshot number one, for being here. So 1993, I'm at Michigan Tech, and I'm sure my, my parents were very proud of me to um, be playing college basketball, to be getting a college degree, and of course, I got a scholarship, so my dad didn't have to pay for it, so that's a big, uh, big bonus, and I'm sure they were happy about that. But if I'm speaking as my 20-year-old self, uh, I wasn't necessarily there for the education, I was there for basketball and the ladies. Because I was in this season of life that John Eldridge calls the warrior phase, where we try to conquer the world. There's a lot of 20-year-olds, and as you're in your 20s, you're trying to conquer the world. You're trying to, to find those things that are going to bring you uh, what you think is satisfaction. You're trying to get the job that you're going to have for the rest of your life. You're trying to find a home. You're trying to find a significant other. Well. Michigan Tech is not the place necessarily to find a significant other if you're a guy because if you didn't know, it's an engineering school. And when I was there, and I see my good college basketball buddy is here as well, uh, he knows there were eight guys for every one girl at Michigan Tech. So, yeah, it's a little tough. Uh, my focus was then on basketball and uh, partying with my friends. At the time, I did not know the Lord, and so I lived a different lifestyle altogether. But I thought life was about me, and I wish I had eyes to see God's word. I wish that um, somebody would have pointed out these verses in the Bible when I was 20. And uh, if you're there, if you're 20, if you're 25, if you're somewhere in there where you're trying to conquer the world, let me just show you 1 John 2, verses 15, 16, and 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, that's not from the Father, it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with his desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. And I'd like to leave that up on the screen. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. Because at age 20, I was all about the world. I love worldly things. I was living a life of fleshly desires, immorality and impurity and idolatry and envy and drunkenness. And I was just all about that. It was all about me. And I shudder to think what my life would be like today if it was not for God's grace at age 25 when he did open my eyes to the truth. And the truth is his son, Jesus Christ, who changed my life forever. Those earthly things will never satisfy. They fill a void temporarily and then they go away. But you're always looking for the next fix. 
just doesn't fit. And so when I began to realize that it's the will of God that abides forever, the will of God, doing the will of God, living a life of purpose for God, truly satisfied. I mean, I'm here today. I mean, I'm, I'm tickled pink, as they say. I'm, I'm happy as a lark because I'm doing the will of God. And I'm so pleased to be surrounded by others that do the will of God. So if you're in your 20s, I want you to know the truth. The world cannot satisfy all those desires because they never end. They never end. Only God can do that, and that's the comfort of God's word. Amen? So we're on to 30. At 30, I was married for one year, and I have a picture of our wedding day. Some of you were there. I know, we're a good-looking couple, don't you think so? I think so. I have another one that's uh, uh, us laughing and having fun, and that's, that's framed in our, in our living room. Um, some of you might remember the days when you just got married and had no kids. Remember that freedom? <laughs> Not so much anymore. Why are you giving me an evil look, even, Ethan? <laughs> so Jamie and I like to reminisce sometimes about the lifestyle we had before we had kids. Um, it actually involved a lot of carry-out dinners. Some of you are in that phase right now. I think we had a place to go every night for carry-out dinner or dinner. Um, but that habit didn't bode well for our health uh, over time. And there was another habit that we had that we would watch TV while we ate dinner, which ironically is the exact opposite of what I recommend to couples when I do their premarital counseling. I recommend that they sh unplug the TV, uh, take it out of the living room, and when you have time together in the evening, just spend time together. Talk, play a game, go for a walk, do something together. Um, but <laughs> we didn't do that. Um, before our children were born, uh, we were just a little bit busy. Jamie was teaching, taking classes to get her master's. I was teaching, coaching three sports, and we're also serving at our church at that time. So sometimes it probably felt like we were two ships passing in the night. And I don't uh, speak for her, but I think I was definitely way too busy, and I didn't really know how to take a break. And there's one thing I know about being busy all the time. It doesn't leave room to deal with the problems that are going on in your life. Think about that. If you're filling your life up with busyness, it doesn't leave time to deal with the problems that are going on in your life. You can't process what's going on in your life, and you certainly can't really plan ahead. So it's a little danger in being busy all the time. And when I was 30, God sent me a little message, and I don't really like being vulnerable. I share some of my life, and it's usually with a, a good punchline of, you know, it's a humorous thing, but uh, I don't usually share too much. But I'm 50 today, and uh, I'm sharing a lot. But when I was 30... My wife, Jamie, she, she went to bed, and I stayed up, and I watched a movie. And the movie I watched was On Golden Pond. For those of you who have seen the movie, you probably know where I'm going with this, but if you've never seen the movie On Golden Pond, it's a classic. It's about an elderly couple spending probably their, the, well, it was their last summer of many summers that they had spent on the lake with their family. And it's just a beautiful, touching story of life and love 
It should really make you cry. It made me cry. So, so there I am, turning 30, bawling my eyes out by myself on the couch. And, uh, you know, you'd think it was because I was 30. It really wasn't. It was because God showed me how short life really is. And what matters in life are the relationships that you have and that you should spend your time investing in those relationships. And so I needed to make some changes and try to do some things some diff- differently. And the verse that I feel helps us or helps me, it helped me, and it helps, I, I talk about this verse a lot. It's important. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. It's very short. It's the second half. It's simply this. Train yourself for godliness. Train yourself for godliness. Simple, but very, very difficult because, as many of us know, being disciplined is not always easy. Having self-discipline is tough. But God's word says it plainly, be disciplined. Train yourself to be godly. You have to commit to certain routines that will allow your relationships to blossom to grow. There's a saying that you know, an apple a day does what? Supposedly keeps the doctor away. It's really just a saying to say that if you eat well, if you eat healthy, that you won't have to um, spend time in in the doctor's office. But what a difference it does make to eat eat healthy, exercise daily, to cook rather than carry out, because your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. What a difference it makes to talk instead of just watch television at night, to read your Bible instead of scroll on your phone, to pray more and snooze less. Train yourself for godliness. It helps in every relationship, and I'm thankful for the comfort of those words. If you have spiritual disciplines, keep doing them. If you don't, start doing them. They make a big difference in all of your relationships. 40. I'm getting there. I have a picture, and on the cake it says, Lordy, Lordy, look who's 40. You've probably heard that before. That's my family. I really, really enjoyed this season of life. Our children were young. They're looking at themselves right now, a little embarrassed probably, at how our daughter just graduated. She's 18 now, but they were 8 and 5. And we just loved our vacations. We loved our summers off. Um, Being teachers, we were able to just really, truly enjoy a lot of family time. And so, and we still do. We we still enjoy it. So I I, I look back at that stage of life, that season of life, and I really loved it. And some of you have little ones, and you probably are enjoying it. Um, it's, It's a good time, and you know it goes fast. Everything was going great except for one thing in my life. There was a situation that was happening at Life of Purpose Church, in fact. I had been the pastor for seven years or so, and for the most part, the first years were me just focusing on preaching on Sunday because I was bivocational. I I was a teacher for 16 years in the high school, and so it, it was just about all I had the time to do was to prepare the message on Sunday. So planning and, and seeing, you know, we were about 30 or 40 people on a Sunday. And that was kind of the norm for life of purpose. And so God was starting to kind of stir in me a little bit and give me a vision for what I'm looking at right now, which is a whole lot more than 30 or 40 people. And seeing 
us to do much more in our community. And renting a building doesn't really give you the opportunity to do a lot in the community. And so I had a vision for some growth. Well, there was an individual in the church who was a founding member, who was an elder, who was the worship leader, and he had a different vision. And so we did this. Conflict. And if you've ever been in a church that has conflict amongst the members, it's very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. And I was uncomfortable. In fact, I remember going on one of our Christmas vacations that we go to in Florida and feeling so anxious, so uneasy. I didn't get any rest on that trip that was supposed to bring rest. And it was just not fun. And so the conflict that we had, unfortunately, sadly, did not, it did not end by us forgiving one another. I wish that I could say to you that that individual is here today, but that's, he's not. He left. His, him and his wife, his family, they left. And when you have somebody in the church that's significant, that started the church, that's an elder in the church, there's a ripple effect. It affects other people in the church, and other people left too. And as a pastor, I'm telling you, it's possibly the most frustrating, discouraging thing that can happen is when people leave the church mad, angry. It's, it's, it's terrible. Have you experienced conflict in a relationship before? Everybody's, yeah, unless you're a complete pushover. <laughs> yes, you have had conflict. And when you're in conflict, conflict, it seems to be in your nature to assume that you are right and they are wrong. Am I right? If you don't agree with me, you're wrong. <laughs> Here's the reality. If you don't try to work it out, if you don't offer forgiveness, you're wrong. That's what God's word says. If you don't seek to work it out, if you don't offer forgiveness, you are planting a seed of bitterness in your heart. So here's the verse. The verse that brings comfort. The verse that brings me comfort when I think about it today. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness of without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. So if you're in conflict, strive for the peace. Rip out the root of bitterness in your heart and replace it with God's grace. And do it as quickly as possible before other people are affected because it hurts other people. Even if it's hard, even if you don't want to, work out your differences. Strive for the peace. There is great comfort in that, in God's word. Amen? Okay, there's 50. Now, you don't need a picture because you're looking at 50, all right? <laughs> but I get to do what I want. It's my birthday. And I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to take a selfie with all of you in the background and if you could do me a favor and just do 5-0 for me, that would be wonderful. Are you ready? All right, hands up. Let's go. I want to I get this. All right, one, two, three. Cheese, right? Thank you. I appreciate that. Give yourself a hand for doing that. 
Well, I'm 50, and a long time ago, not too long ago, I guess, I read a book called Halftime. When you get to halfway through your life or, you know, maybe towards the retirement phase, you start to think about, well, what do I do now? Like, some of you are retired, and you're thinking, I know what I do now, and I like it. And some of you are like, well, wait a minute, I could do more. Barry at the, the, golf, the golf outing yesterday um, was calling on those that are retired to come help out for a couple hours with special needs events that are going on in the area. I thought it was great because generally if you're retired, you got some time on your hands, you can help out. Well, the book that I read was about leaving a legacy. And when you get to 50 or older, you start to think about how people will remember you. That's pretty natural, isn't it? What, what, are, what are people going to remember about you? When it comes to my legacy for me as a pastor, especially of this church, I do think about it a lot because I want to leave a legacy, because I know I'm not going to be the only pastor that Life of Purpose ever has. I hope I'm not. I know I've been the only one so far. But I want to see, more than anything, this church continue to grow, continue to expand, and just do wonderful things that it's doing. And I honestly think we're in the tip of the iceberg. I think God's just getting started with what, what's happening here at Life of Purpose. And I sometimes feel like David did when he was preparing for Solomon, his son, to build the temple. And I'm not push, putting that pressure on you, Ethan. I'm just saying that, that God is using me to prepare you for what God is going to do. Because I get really excited when I get phone calls and I get emails and texts that say, hey, I want to go back to school. I want to take some Bible classes. I, want, I really feel called to do this ministry. I want to do, I love that. And I see that when you do that, God's at work and things are going to happen. I can't wait to see this church just kind of churn out more pastors, more missionaries, more counselors doing the Lord's work. I get excited about that. I, I really want to see that happen. I, I I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for that. Who knows? Maybe this church will have a school someday. Maybe a seminary. I, I think that we're, we're, we talk about the, God's word is, is the pillar of this church, which is what Timothy was told by Paul, that it has to be the pillar. And, and I look forward to seeing what, what God will do. And if, if there's some of you that you're thinking about leaving your legacy and you're thinking, well, I, I, need, I, need God, I need God's help. I need something from God. Find comfort in these words, the final verse that I want you to hear today. Philippians 4.19. This is the Apostle Paul. Right after that famous verse everybody knows, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Here's the context of that verse. Verses 19, verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Let that sink in. Who's going to supply your need? God is. God is. According to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God will not always give you what you want, but he will always give you what you need. And we need what he has to give us. So trust me when I tell you, after 50 years on this earth, you all need God's word to comfort you. You need the comfort of God's word. My mom, I'm going to finish with this. My mom gave me a little inspirational card many, many years ago. 
And I actually found it strangely this morning when I was looking for something else completely. And I think it's the right way to end. It's the story of a young man who desperately wanted a new car for graduation. On graduation day, his father presented him, not with a new car, but with a new leather Bible. And the young man flung the gift at his father and left home, never to return until his father passed away. And as he went back to his father's house to take care of his belongings, he came across that Bible, which then fell open, and out of it was a check and a note. It read, Son, take this check to the car dealer and pick the car of your dreams and use this Bible as your roadmap through life. Love, Dad. The gift was there the whole time, unopened, unused. God offers you many wonderful gifts, his son to save you from your sins, and his word to bring you daily comfort. You just need to open them. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, how it brings me so much comfort, and I know it brings many others. God, may you continue to minister through your word, through us. May we continue to worship you and song and prayer and studying our word. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace that you gave me all those years ago. And you continue to give. And I, I just pray, Father, that as we leave this place, that we will, be, we will always remember all we need to do is open up your word, and we will know where to go. We will find comfort. We can have joy. Thank you, God, for your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. And the church said? Amen. Amen.